Namaste. So countless are the gifts that Shurabindu and the mother have given to the world. Most of us have still not opened the pages, magic pages in which these gifts are there. And uh, that's what I say that forget about if you don't want, if you want to come to ashram, don't want to come to ashram, you want to practice the yoga, you don't want to practice the yoga. That's an individual thing and uh, it's a question of, you know, readiness and many other aspects. But at least read Shurabhita and the mother. Uh, there is so much wealth even for our everyday life. From birth, conception, or even before. Marriage, partnership, conception, birth, to school, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, different stages of life, different hopes and aspirations, sleep, dream, money, success, yoga, spirituality, moksha and beyond. I don't know, there are many things which I must have missed. Relationships, the most difficult and dangerous and complex subject. <laughs> <laughs> the least discussed. People tend to think it's nothing. But this is the most difficult part, okay? Because uh, human beings are the most complex creations and the nuttiest and the most, not only complex, where uh, they're, they're diverse. It's not like a machine where you learn complexity of one machine and you can understand all computers work the same way. <laughs> Each one works differently. And uh, in human life, this is the thing which we most encounter. So, on every sphere, every aspect. And everything which he has touched, he has not just given a set of techniques. He has given us the principles and he has given us uh, such an insight that we can ourselves keep developing upon it once the doors are opened. That's something very beautiful. So he, he didn't give us a technique, do this, don't do this. This is not Shirobindo's way. He would suggest rather than impose. He would give us hints and lead us to the doors and give us the joy of discovery. So this is the way of Shurabindu and in this process among many, many, many countless gifts which um, are a you know, week-long subject, one of them is the three principles of education. As I said, just a very small little thing but with very deep and far-reaching imports. He starts this essay by saying very clearly that though European education has certain advantages, there are many defects which are inherent in it. And one of the defects he points out, it is not based on an adequate understanding of human psychology. So any education which doesn't understand what human beings are, so uh, how can it be really valid? At the same time, it becomes worse when it is imposed from the Western world to the Indian world. It makes it even worse. And unfortunately, sometimes we have picked up the worst of the Western education. There are beautiful things. But we have picked up the worst and put it here. For example, in some of these uh, Western universities and colleges, you don't have this kind of an exam system the way we have it. So there are projects, there is a way you understand. Stress is on understanding. But here it has turned into a memory, um, you know, a memory device and vomiting out what you have read. And based on that you get marks and based on the marks you are uh, sent further. Which is of course the worst kind of, we have picked up the worst from the West in the name of, uh, you know, taking off culture. There are very good things in the West. For instance, there is this stress on one kind of individuality, whatever it be. But it, it has its place. 
but there also we have picked up the worst of things and imposed it here like coloring of the hairs with a different color it's okay no no problem with that <laughs> sometimes equally we have seen the worst of india is picked up by the west for instance uh, the moment you talk about sadhus and sanyasis they think they are chillam smoking people i know of a person who came all the way from uh, europe to visit india and he came to india because he had heard about sadhus you know his mother was so distressed when she was recounting this story that i told him such wonderful things about india because you know she had visited here and she went and of course you don't impose you go to shirvindu ashram now there are authentic places but he said okay okay he was very enthused india tour so he came and indian spirituality so he went straight to haridwar because this is our i don't know why we have this notion that uh, anyways i don't want to get into controversial subjects so he went there and from there he went on a trek to himalaya looking for sadhus so what happened was he was uh, expecting sadhus all wherever he saw somebody in safran very nice boy he was taken up oh here is a sadhu he had not read the ramayana that it doesn't you don't become a sadhu by wearing a dress or by saying ram ram so he went there and uh, these sadhus ultimately he smoked chilam uh, ganja and then he is everything was stolen including the passport so the boy came back with a very bruised state so you know i spoke to the boy i said well you did learn a lesson the hard way the first lesson of in that mother india teaches is to be detached from everything so the only thing that the sadhus did they were nothing but robbers but they robbed you of all your old identity including a passport so if you can take on from here now then of course you will have a wonderful future opening up but it was a very traumatic thing this need not one need not so many time we see that the worst from both countries whereas it should be both sides of the globe the best should be taken in and there is best in everywhere in the world so now we come back to these three principles of education with this background that we should not impose shubindu gives a certain universal principle these are valid not only for education they are valid in every walk of life and i have found them very useful in counseling extremely useful in relationships so one of them is the first principle of true teaching is not that nothing can be taught this idea that i can teach somebody i can convert somebody i can convince somebody i can try to force my views on somebody is one of the biggest waste of time i use the word the worst way of time pass people often ask then what are you doing i say i am doing none of these things i am sharing the joy of mother and shurbindu you take it or leave it i have no issues i am not here to convince anyone that's the joy of the teaching take it or leave it raise questions you can discuss but this is the whole thing that nothing can be taught so what do we do in schools that's why the mother often spoke about the last school why because what is meant to be done in the school you see the ancient gurukul ancient gurukul it was not like this subject that subject you start organically and what is that process the teacher is not an instructor or taskmaster so you don't create artificial robots you create living beings when we push knowledge from outside thrust it from outside we create artificial people who can you know it is one of the saddest sight one can ever encounter in the present day indian system is when you have a 5 year old child and uh, suddenly the parents they want to impress you and say oh wala wo oyam sunana what is that twinkle twinkle little star and i have to tell the please stop it's okay it's okay fine you can't 
and the child starts off thinking that this is so wonderful and there's a twinkle in the parent's eyes this is not what we want children to become but this is how it is understood so this idea should go the teacher is not an instructor or taskmaster taskmaster means finish this homework do this within so much time or instructor thus thou shall do thus thou shall not do <laughs> it goes on endlessly he is a helper and a guide he should be like a friend that's what i love about shri krishna and shri arbindo unlike all the other masters we put on a pedestal put all the malas shri arbindo and uh, and of course the mother you talk to them it looks like they are here to help you they are not here to condemn you judge you or tell you a set of instructions they are like friends something so beautiful you can tell anything who is a friend you can share anything with them people have come and shared things with you know mother and shirbindu because all life is in the ambit of education in every sphere there is education it's not about subject but about life so the teacher is helper and guide so let the person learn student learn wherever there is a difficulty the person encounters you help and then you guide see guide is very interesting it points away so this is the task of the teacher his business is to suggest and not to impose you can say well i think if you do this way it is better but sometimes human being have have to go through their own painful experiences and learn he does not actually train the pupil's mind he only shows him how to perfect his instruments of knowledge and helps and encourages him in the process for example we are straight away taught how to you know read and write but we don't have the faculty of concentration so teach concentration maybe through a game like mikado through carrom board when you have the faculty of concentration you can turn in any direction so this is where he has to learn how to perfect the instruments of knowledge and he gives in great detail there are 10 or 12 aspects only of the human mind we don't even know we just know about memory there are 12 senses which we don't even know there are so many emotions there are 10 rasas we don't even know we only know love hate fear some vague kind of even there there are so many shades once i was speaking to someone and i said tell me all the shades of love people don't even know they know only one love which is by sending those heart smileys <laughs> what really is love how does it express itself so many shades people don't know this they don't know that care is a form of love a very important form simply a feeling of tenderness a soft feeling in the heart all these are expressions of love which one may have and yet not have those smileys popping up so you know this he teaches us to explore and discover ourselves and to perfect these processes instead of saying don't do this do it well do it beautifully whatever the person is engaged in doing there are so many beautiful examples of it that if you see a child doing something which you think is uh, let's say children often fight engage in fight mother was talked told about it they are becoming violent and all this she said no why i have learned fencing when i was young teach them how to wield wield the stick or the sword in a nice way beautiful way as a artist as a as a samurai rather than saying hey don't pick up the stick don't do this this is 
now when we do this uh, kind of don't do don't do then over a period of time children shrink into a shell they are afraid even of experimenting so teach them how to handle things instead of saying don't touch teach them how to touch it how to feel it what it means to touch let's say this object how to handle it carefully nobody teaches them we just told them don't touch why because he will drop it so this this um, he reminds us that uh, he helps and encourages him in the process he does not impart knowledge to him he shows him how to acquire knowledge for himself so he does not tell him that you know history is according to this book he says how to explore history for instance to give just one example out of many we are taught history in the way that you have those documentary evidences but a lot of history in india was transmitted without documentary evidence is it untrue for that matter what my father did when i was a child i am the one who is private to it and my mom is it untrue simply because it's transmitted through a oral memory in india this tradition was kept alive similarly to see forces that act behind history is it untrue so that's why in india we have history itihas what are the books ramayana and mahabharata which are regarded as mythologies why because our whole idea of history is so called outer objective facts whose own validity is doubtful because supposing you draw newspaper cuttings from 100 years back or whatever people make sure when those life like that now when you draw these cuttings you are presuming that the journalist who was writing was honest and faithful and true to what he was doing that premise itself is incorrect we are not even taught that and we take it as documentary evidence whereas somebody looks at shurbindo and he mentioned that oh i saw in him the avatar of the future you don't want to put it because it's not documented in the typical newspaper cutting so this is how this one example same with everything there is a true geography we are not taught as i was saying that you know where you see how a land has evolved how a country has been formed it's something very amazing how there are changing patterns of the season how the soil develops so everything that we teach is disconnected from life so we have to teach them how to discover and this can be discovery can be through anything pick up any section of piece of mud and you can discover the whole world universe is crammed into a grain of sand so this is the how this is how he takes to the discovery so this is the first principle he teaches and i can just give you one example is that um, someone once asked a group of children that well what did you have today people have come to hear a great speaker from ashram so they are all you know what he will tell about spiritual things some yoga do this way sit this way so he said what did you have for food today now children are all delighted so one of them said idli so idli where did it uh, what is it made up of rice where does rice come from so now you know everybody is busy from this that you know there is all this going on ultimately is led to a point where one discovered that in every grain of sand uh, rice the farmers uh, sweat and blood mother nature's gifts the five elements sun everything and divine everything is involved in a grain of rice and then one of the child remarked oh that means in one grain of rice everything is there so the teacher says now you understand shri krishna's story where he picks that little grain of rice and says i am tript see it is an insight which has to come it is not like rice is composed of calorie facts 
This is not the way. Imagine eating rice with this idea that I am taking Brahman inside. It is so different from taking calorie facts. Plenty of examples I could give you, give you in my own interaction with children where you can lead them to the doors of knowledge and they come up with wonders. So one of the child adolescent, he was speaking about, um, I have a project, I have to write something on love. So I said, okay, before you, I tell you something, you tell me what do you feel about love. So the, uh, this 15-year-old keeps thinking after that. Says, Actually, you know, there is nothing else but love. I said, class over. <laughs> I said, I no need to know anything more. Okay, can you elaborate then? Yes, what is love? Now you see, instead of telling them something from outside and showing our own ignorance, we glorify our ignorance. <laughs> Let's bring out knowledge from them. So this is the first principle. The second principle is that the mind has to be consulted in its own growth. This we have completely ignored. Our entire education has become disconnected with life, with the soil in which we have grown up. So, what happens as a result? The idea of hammering the child into the shape desired by the parent or teacher is a barbarous and ignorant superstition. We want him before the child is even grown up to decide, we have decided his fate and his destiny. So this is a barbarous and ignorant superstition. It is he himself who must be induced to expand in accordance with his own nature. So not everybody, you know, that wonderful example of Taradi. So she would not take so much interest in typical classroom studies. But very few people are aware that almost 75%, lots of questions of question answers were asked by her. And her father would often tell her, Are you the only ignorant girl? So, question But thanks to her, that we have such a you know, wonderful set of answers. And there was a time when people didn't ask questions. The mother stopped the class. She said, people are not interested in knowing. It must come from inside the student, what they want to know. That is the unique aspect of the mother's conversations. She never spoke on a beforehand topic. Someday she would say that tomorrow is 15th August. Today we are going to just meditate on the remembrance of Sri But most of the time these talks are triggered by a question. If you read through that conversation, you will see that they have gone all over the world. Sometimes you even wonder what was the question. And then she says, I respond to the state of consciousness. And she would cram the whole world. Just read it. So amazing. How she would bring all these different dimensions in a question, which is seemingly, you know, uh, a matter of fact question. So she, so she would go from uh, consulting the mind in its own growth, meaning thereby what is inspiring the question. The answer will not be the same. Somebody who is, for instance, asking, okay, tell us about, some people ask, okay, tell us about spiritual life. I had this meeting in the uh, lift I used to go in the morning for, uh, you know, cleaning of the bhavan, Shurabindu bhavan in Alsur Lake. So, suddenly somebody saw me in the lift, one of the officers. So, he used to see 5.30 going in the morning. So, he suddenly asked me, uh, every day you go in the morning, uh, what place you go? So, I said, Shurabindu bhavan. He said, oh, yoga karne, you go for yoga. Now, I know what he's meaning and what he's asking. I just said, yes. So, he said, ah, it is very good for the body. I said, yes. <laughs> what did he 
say, you're not going to give me a lecture on what yoga is. So, this is, you know, each one asks the same question but with a very different consciousness. The answer will not be a standard format. Wherever you see people giving a standard format answer means they don't know this principle of education. To one person who asks about uh, Savitri, you can say that it's an epic poem. To another person who asks about Savitri, you can say that it's a wonderful poetry with such wonderful rhythm and all. To third person, you can say it's the story of Shirobindra and the mother. To fourth person, it is actually the story of the Divine Mother and the entire universe is there in it. You, me, all our characters here in it. To somebody else, you may say, just read it and take the joy of it. So, there is no standard one answer because the mind has to be consulted in its own growth. It means that don't, don't ignore the person, the material which has come to you. This is only possible if either there is a one-to-one education which is what the mother wanted through free progress system or when there is a small group. If you have 30 students, it's just impossible. So it's, it needs a radical rethinking of our education system. At least it should be like, even if you want to do it like that, ideal is to have more schools and less uh, student-teacher ratio. But if you still want to do it this way, there should be a possibility of a separate engagement of individual students who want to know more and want to know differently. This what is beginning in some of the schools who are creating this kind of a parallel education. This is the way in India you can do it. Uh, by bringing in this element. So, mind has to be consulted. The idea of hammering the child into the shape desired by the parent or teacher is a barbarous and ignorant superstition. So, coming back to Taradi's story, so, uh, mother called her, why you are not interested in studies? She said, no mother, what do you want to do? I love photography. She said, okay, get her a camera and let her do photography. No, you don't have to go to the school and study and see she developed like that and look what a wonderful work she has done so this is how the mother and Shirobindu would encourage uh, each one taking into account their own swadharma so here he says it is himself who must be induced to expand in accordance with his own nature this is what free progress is Uh, education governed by the soul by your soul so what it means in the Indian context is Swabhava and Swadharma. So see what your true nature is and the education should be according to that. And then he cautions, there can be no greater error than for the parent to arrange beforehand that his son shall develop particular qualities, capacities, ideas, virtues or be prepared for a pre-arranged careers. He says there can be no greater error. Why? Because you are totally making an artificial machine. To force the nature to abandon its own dharma is to do it permanent harm, mutilate its growth and deface its perfection. It is a selfish tyranny over a human soul and a wound to the nation which loses the benefit of the best that a man could have given. Imagine Arjuna in today's times. What he will go? He will go into a standard school Probably because he was a boy with good concentration. He would top the university. And then if he told his father, I want to be in the military. No, no, no. You have better career options. Imagine, you know, what... uh, There would be many potential Arjunas. We don't know. 
who can become truly instruments of a God's design. At one place, Sri Aurobindo says, it is better to be a good and competent, uh, perfect shoemaker than to be an incompetent king. You have the joy of what you are doing. That story of Abraham Lincoln when somebody pointed out to him when he was his father was a shoemaker. When he comes selected into the parliament, they don't like it. You know, he comes from the depressed classes. So somebody made a re- uh, remark: "This was the civilized nation some time back." So the remark was that, "Don't forget, Mr. Lincoln, Mr. President. Don't forget that you know." Your fathers used to mend shoes. It was a way of it was a double comment that you know don't forget your humble beginnings, but also it carried an undertone. Don't forget who you are. And he remarked with great wisdom and uh, you know tremendous capacity, brilliance. He said, "Yes, not only I don't forget it, I have learned that trait from him. And if ever you have a problem." I can mend your shoe in a way that never again it'll give trouble. That was the state, you know. That was the president of America at one point of time, because the land was meant to become something. If you see George Washington's dreams, you see very clearly that there was a future of the land. Still is. Let us put it like that. It must recapture its own soul, true soul. So this is how education must be imparted. Whatever you are good at. Whatever your natural temperament is, and that we know that that's how in India you had the fourfold order of society: the seekers after knowledge, those who are born leaders, administrators, those who love, who have lot of violent tendencies. India had didn't say don't be violent; it says channelize your violence into the Shatriya. You see what happened with the emasculation of the race. That's the only word you can use. Uh, thanks to or whatever. Uh, Mr. Mohandas Karmchand Gandhi, that <laughs> we cannot, you know, even when dastardly things are going on in front of you, you don't even have the courage to raise a voice. What happened to the Kashmiri pundits? Still, we talk about Bonhami. There was recently a news item. I don't know. It is about recent or some other time that you know when people came from Hajj. The Kashmiri pundits were receiving them with great joy. Be careful! Don't lose the lesson of history. Of course, we should be non-violent, but it should be non-violence of the strong. Arjuna never raises his. That's why the difference between Arjuna and what was that other fellow, Eklavya, whom we try to idolize. Same with Karna, because we have this mentality. Oh, poor fellow. So we try to idolize Eklavya. Eklavya had no control over himself. He fills a dog's mouth with arrows. Arjuna would never do such a thing. Such calm self-control. He doesn't want to fight. But if challenged to fight, then he would fight unto death. This is the ancient Indian ideal. So violence was channelized into divine heights, rather than saying don't. Because it is bad, so these are things which we have to discover. The Vaishya, the natural, the birth boy gifted. You see, the Vaishya type will never have quarrel with anybody. You can find it. He'll always be good, nice, pleasant. This instinct for harmony is there, but at the end, he is very careful about money, about everything. You know, Shubhendra spoke about it. 
when he was told that a particular group in india how they are very attached to money he said no they bring money because they are very organized with regard to money they keep account of every penny that's how they draw the money forth there are people like that and there are of course who are born with talent with the hand so each nature must be consulted in its own growth every man has in him something divine something his own a chance of strength and perfection in however small a sphere which god offers him to take or refuse so we must understand that nobody is there without his own strength but obviously a tortoise is not meant to run a race on the ground with a hare this is a very wrong story tortoise has its own merits it, it's not meant to run a race actually <laughs> poor fellow you are making him run a race and then you give a false idea that slow and steady wins the race silliest story you know ever read until date they teach it are tortoise is has his capacity in water and land call a rabbit to do it and tortoise has its capacity it's slow you see the story can have a different meaning slow and steady wins the race you know tortoise is slow he breathes very slow tortoise breathes three times or five times in a minute and tortoise lives for 300 to 500 years the rabbit runs pants heavy breathing breathes heavily and dies within 12 years or less than that so in that sense yes but not on the physical ground so something we can learn from the tortoise how to conserve our energy tortoise you see uh, little bit aside but it's very interesting why because mother chose the symbol of immortality for the tortoise the tortoise is a symbol of immortality see what are the speciality of the tortoise can withdraw itself in those shell tremendous concentrate what the geeta geeta actually gives the simile pratyahar the ability to withdraw into yourself and nothing can harm you or touch you great capacity it's not competing with anybody if you see a tortoise you'll feel he's atmarati he's not bothered you know you try to do something he'll look at you amazing eyes huh? try to get, have you interacted something very interesting i've interacted he will look with a very wise philosophical sage like vision at you that what are you doing you start feeling foolish that you are playing with him as if it's a cat or a dog he's not a cat or a dog he's not interested he looks at you then he goes about his own work he suddenly vanishes also how they manage their life i don't know and then of course he will be in water in his own world or on land in his own world breathes very little and look how he lives so it is a symbol of immortality but don't try to turn a tortoise into a rabbit that's the point rabbits have their own place let them be where they are and they are also nice they shouldn't feel bad so everyone has in one something special the task is to find it and develop it the chief aim of education should be to help the growing soul to draw out that in itself which is best and make it perfect for a noble use this is something very important educe means to bring out so to bring out and put it for a noble use no point in bringing out capacities but they are not at good use this what creates an asuric civilization a developed intellectual mind with a puny heart but strong passions this is the hallmark of the asura extremely developed mind 
you can calculate very fast everything but you are doing it at the uh, danger of suppressing the energies of the heart but the passions are there now imagine what it can create so shubindu cautions us that a nation which doesn't do it it loses its own strength and its own powers and the last and third third principle the third principle of education is to work from the near to the far from that which is to that which shall be and that's why many times the mother and shubindu's answers are very difficult to understand and people quote it without you know sometimes you feel like now for instance there was a place where somebody asked the mother the question is that you know uh, somebody has asked her that whether um, i should continue worship rama or krishna or hanuman the story that sectra so the disciple is saying i answered this person it is perfectly fine this is not important whether you worship or you don't worship and you know this should be your basically aspiration this is not so important but you can continue if you want to worship and he asked at the end mother am i right in saying so mother says yes quite so at another place he says something very interesting he says those who want to worship the gods may continue to do so but they must know it has nothing to do with supramental yoga third place he says that well um, indifference to all religions but a benevolent goodwill towards all with gods the relation of friends because we are collaborators in this great divine work so different times she has said different things at places when she speaks about kali she says that you know people keep those crores of kalis they keep a, a image and then they say it will bring disaster to you and they don't even realize that this is not the image of kali the divine mother but hostile beings whom they have harbored in the form of an image so to each one depending on his readiness she would go from near to the far people often ask that in the ashram context so you have these four great pujas which were celebrated here you also have christmas being celebrated here so people ask or they find it very difficult so to understand so we know the story actually these great goddesses are truths of our inner existence shubindu has spoken about it and Uh, the mother says that during these puja days they used to come because shubindu is present they would come for the lila and plus there is a collective atmosphere everybody believes and then there were some bengalis who wanted to do the puja so it started like that you have those four days but the same mother people perhaps are aware or not the last darshan she gave i think was 61 on durga puja and later on she said now it is no more the same thing because things change they evolve later on when she was asked why uh, you know why there are festivals so it was not a festival the mother says you know festivals are a concession to human nature men like festivals this also she has said so she didn't want it to be done in a festive spirit there are aspects of the divine mother in to that extent we can go and you know since we are tuned to this but somebody else may do it very differently so same way christmas started because there were some christians background so they on christmas day they would distribute cakes to some of the, i think seven eight families so when mother came to know about it 
she said acha okay they are doing that okay why not we do it in a more organized way so it started in the playground and then now the ashram theater so the purpose was that because people could have connect through that means so she opened every door but she liberated all of them from their old conception this we should not forget so when she was speaking about the divine mother would come and give darshan on durga puja kali puja saraswati puja and uh, lakshmi puja what was she actually showing by a real example they are aspects of the one divine mother see the divine mother in all of them and all of them in the divine mother as simple as that she was not uh, you know talking about the conventional way in which we do things which is more vital than the true atmosphere similarly with christianity what should she do she actually liberated it by saying this is a convention which was before the birth of christ nobody knows the birth of christ which is a fact she said it was the day celebrated as the return of the light so what did she do in one master stroke she actually freed christianity from certain trappings and said actually you know we celebrate it as the birth of light and then she connected with the new light and the new consciousness it's a different thing that we don't understand it so the mind has to be taken from near to the far each context is different and based on that we have to take the person forward somebody one day even now we draw other conclusions also that the mother did not uh, say that we should study ramayana and mahabharata that is also not true so we end up creating our own bubbles by our own predilections and you know our own preferences it is vast and infinite to each one eternity in a grain of sand from that one can approach and take the person to wherever we want to take so the third principle of education is to work from the near to the far and to what extent she could go is amazing you know she could teach in a simple thing like chocolate a whole lesson of life she would do that to a child who was playing outside mother would work with the mother his mother would work with the divine mother and she asked you have left the child outside yes mother no bring him in the child would play so she gave him some things to play some pebbles and so the child got engaged in the play and then when the child was going she gave some chocolates putting them in the nice little bag and the child is very happy and she says remember don't eat alone share it with everybody second is don't just throw the wrapper anywhere you bring it i will know what which ones you liked and which one so you're learning to choose and keep this bag intact so that i can give you more what a lesson of life for a child this was he said in my life i have remembered this lesson the most and it has helped him in life so this is called near to the far the basis of a man's nature and now she is not saying you must be generous but she has taught it you must be careful but she has taught it you must uh, you know when you deal with matter you must treat with respect but she has taught it everything she has taught with you must make your choices but she has taught it you must know which ones you want so bring the wrapper and tell me so simple way of making choices the basis of a man's nature is almost always in addition to his soul's past his heredity his surroundings his nationality his country the soil from which he draws sustenance the air which he breathes 
the sight sounds habits to which he is accustomed they mold him not the less powerfully because insensibly from that then we must begin so we must not suddenly hang in there are people who take that other approach that no no it's all about new <laughs> so both sides we may swing so we have to take from near to the far they mold him we must not take up the nature by the roots from the earth in which it must grow or surround the mind with images and ideas of a life which is alien to that in which it must physically move if anything has to be brought in from outside it must be offered not forced on the mind discuss freely rationally and give it as a choice a free and natural growth is the condition of genuine development so discuss with the child consult with the child rationally and show the pros and cons and in the end let the child choose there are souls which naturally revolt from their surroundings and seem to belong to another age and clime let them be free to follow their bent but the majority languish become empty become artificial if artificially molded into an alien form no revolt is not allowed dissent is not allowed so you are creating artificial molds they should be led their own way it is god's arrangement for mankind that they should belong to a particular nation age society that they should be children of the past possessors of the present creations of the creators of the future the past is our foundation the present our material the future our aim and summit each must have its due and natural place in a national system of education so it basically amounts to saying the mother summarized all this beautifully she said to be a true teacher you must be a psychologist and a yogi so true one could equally say this of everything including to prospective and present parents to be a true parent you must be a psychologist and a yogi not not durvasa yogi <laughs> but yogi who can understand who is patient father who is you know who accepts things and yet stands by the child mother who even in her indulgences is teaching the child how to grow so all our original thing is in the divine from where we draw the learning and then we apply it in real life this is how the divine deals with us so that's how we see in creation different places different people come and then they grow through a process organically through the cycles of rebirth and lives in a very natural organic way not in an artificially imposed way which is what the mind tends to do namaste